Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Broncos country is enjoying themselves as uh, we got to watch uh, two Denver Broncos be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, obviously, the late, great Pat Bowen and Champ Bailey uh, both went into the Hall of Fame uh, in 2019, and that's uh, what we're going to talk about tonight, Ian. Um, and it's uh, just just a, a quick point from my perspective. It's something that's long overdue, but also something that is, uh, as someone who hates the Hall of Fame because of its lack of uh, Broncos representation, it, it does feel good to have... Uh, those two guys go in and maybe open some doors for some other players. As Champ Bailey said during his speech, and I thought it was a hell of a, a hell of a speech, a powerful speech, a brilliant speech, a moving speech. He he thanked God for Broncos country, while Broncos country thanks God for Champ Bailey because we witnessed the goat at the cornerback position for 10 years in Denver. And it was, it was special. And I think what makes it even more special is the fact that one of, if not the 
favorite player of Pat Bowen was Champ Bailey. So I, I think it's only fitting that the two of them go in in the same class and they will forever be united. Yeah, that's a cool way to, to look at it too, that they they're they're together in that in that it's a real special way to be sort of um just sort of like connected to somebody somebody who is so important to each other right I mean, and you make a good point there champ bailey loved pat Bowlin. pat Bowlin loved champ bailey i i think uh you know we could probably get into well who else could have gone but i don't know that we should do that here um but that was that was really special for broncos country to see those two guys go in together um it was fitting and and champ like you said champ bailey is is the goat he is the the greatest of all time he he did things that uh not very many corners could could even dream of doing and so it was great to have him in broncos country and and it's a wonderful thing to be able to honor him and and then pat bolin is in my opinion and and i'm a yankee fan and so i'm a big fan of like a guy like george steinbrenner as well but pat bolin to me and and clearly i am wearing my orange and blue glasses but i don't think i'm wrong here I, i think he's the greatest owner in nfl history just impact-wise uh, on the entire league and then what he's done uh, or what he did for the Denver Broncos and what the franchise did under his uh, his guidance and his care. Uh, I think it's it's second to none and, and something that so it could be surpassed. Uh, there are some things that some, some guys like Robert Kraft, I, I hate saying that, but, you know, the, the, the New England Patriots have been good. But I, I just think what Pat Boland has done, it's, it's a totally different uh, realm for owners in this respect to back up your statement that he's the the greatest owner in the nfl there's one statistic that can never be matched they might it might be equaled but he is the first owner in the history of the national football league to win 300 games in his first 30 years that will never be done again i don't care how much success robert Kraft has with the new england patriots Let's see what happens when Bill Belichick and Tom Brady retire. 30 years is a long time. And he is the first ever to get 300 wins in his first 30 years as an owner of all the accomplishments and statistics that there are for for Pat Bowen. The seven Super Bowl appearances and seven losing seasons. Thanks, Vance Joseph. (laughs) The Super Bowl wins, the division championships, the playoff appearances, the sellout streak that dates back to before when he even he was an owner. But that I think that that one statistic, the 300 wins in 30 years, epitomizes everything that was Pat Bowen. He wanted to be the best in everything, and. That backs it up. I, I have I have no doubt saying that he is the greatest owner in the history of the National Football League. And then you take into account what he did as a, a chairman for those 15 committees. He's the father of Sunday Night Football, which is the number one rated show on television. And, and Dick Ebersol, who got uh, the, the, the broadcasting award from the Hall of Fame this year, Said that it it would not Sunday Night Football would not have happened without Mister without Mister B. So I I just it it was an emotional night. It was a powerful night. It was an incredible night. There were tears. There were smiles. And I think 
the Champ Bailey speech was quintessential Champ Bailey, smooth, cool, and he made it look so easy. Yeah, he really did. I I I I like watching him talk. You know, I enjoyed his his speech, and a lot of it was. Uh, thank you this, thank you that, thank you this, thank you that. It was just fantastic, and I, I love that he pointed out uh, former teammates from Washington. I love that he, uh, you know, he singled out guys like Daryl Green. Uh, he he singled out guys like like uh, like Deion Sanders, who he said was was inspirational to him as well. And, and uh, I, the, some of the points that he made with that, but what really got me. Uh, and and you know, I don't want to. I'm, I'm not going to get into the politics of anything or the social social stuff, but the passion that he spoke with at the end, uh, I, I felt was was something that we got to see that every day or every Sunday on the field, right? He, he brought that passion to the field. And I, I do think that that translates into the person that he is. And um, the way that he presented his speech at the end and, and talking about, uh, you know, things that we'll know, you and I will never understand, right? Because we are not, uh, you know, to, to take a phrase from him, we are not black men. And so we can't really connect with that. But the request that he's making that we listen. I, I, to me, that was something that uh, I don't, I don't care what your politics are. I don't care what your social agenda is. It made a lot of sense and it really hit home. And I, I appreciated that. I appreciated that he used his platform not to point fingers, not to say that, you know, somebody was right or somebody was wrong, but just to, just to point out something that, uh, that he felt passionately about and strongly about. And it, it was a, a, a poignant moment uh, in his speech and it was a wonderful way for him to, to end things. And I, and I appreciated it a lot. And I think that I think a lot of people, if you looked at some of the shots of the people in the in the stands or in the fan, you know, the fans that were watching, they you could tell they really took that to heart. And so I appreciated it. I liked listening to it. And again, it's that passion that he brought to the field. You can tell he takes that everywhere he goes. The other powerful moment for me in Champ's speech was at the very beginning when he talked about the bad and the good that he, that he got from football. And he mentioned the bad. Because when you give a speech like that, you tend to focus on the good. You tend to focus on the things that happened to you that made you who you are. And they were obviously great things. But the fact that he mentioned the bad and he mentioned the fact that he wasn't there as a father because he wanted to be so good at football. I thought that was so powerful because to have that ability to recognize it and then also to to mention it in your Hall of Fame speech I think shows the kind of man that Champ Bailey is, that we we applaud him for what he did on the field, and we always applaud him for the way that he conducted himself off of it, especially for all the things that he did at the Denver Rescue Mission. But then to have that awareness that he wasn't there like he should have been and he knows he should have been, I thought was incredibly powerful because I don't know how many times over the course – of anyone's life, let alone in that moment that they have that self-awareness and they point it out. Yeah. You know, you, you say that you mentioned that and I, you know, I start to think about, um, I think about, you know, when I was a kid and I remember having a conversation with my dad about, you know, I, I told him one time, cause he was talking about, well, I gotta, I gotta leave this early so I can get to, to your practice or to your game. And I don't remember what we were talking about. It was probably baseball related. And, and I said, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to, uh, you know, if you're busy, you're busy. And I was, you know, as a, as a son, I recognized that he was pulling himself away from the things that he needed to do so he could be there for me and for my brother and my sister and things like that. And he said, 
I don't miss your events. You know, he said, I don't miss your events. You know, the old man was, is, is one of those guys that, and I, and I've taken that to heart as a father as well. I, I don't miss my, I don't miss my kids events. You know, they baseball games, uh, school, you know, school plays, whatever it is that they're doing. I, I do what I can to be there. And I think that one of the things that we forget when we watch these professional athletes is that they take themselves away from their family at times because that's the job, right? Um, and, and it's an interesting acknowledgement. You're right. It's an interesting thing to acknowledge that uh, to be as great as he was, he had to sacrifice as a, as a parent. And, I, you know, I, personally, I can't imagine having to do that. And, you know, the other thing is I teach. Part of the reason I'm a teacher is because I love having my summers off so I can coach my son's little league team. I can, you know, I can hang out with my daughter and my son at the pool and do those, you know, do all those things. My job doesn't take me away from my kids the way that other people's jobs do. And and that's kind of by design. So that's an interesting thing for him to acknowledge. And I know that, uh, you know, there, there are probably people out there who, who watch that and, and, sort of shook their head and said, yeah, my, my parents, my dad wasn't there because of, or he didn't. And I know you have a perspective on that as well. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a flaw, right? But he acknowledged the flaw. And I think that it also was something that made him great. And it's a, sort of an interesting, you're right. It's an interesting way to sort of approach a speech about being one of the greatest of all time. And then there are a couple of humorous points. I, I mean, I, I love the fact that when he was talking about his mother, you also <laughs> named me champ. So thank you for the pressure. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot different than being a boy named Sue, right? If you're a boy named Sue, it just makes you tough. If you're a boy named champ, man, you got to live up to that. And then of course the shot at San Diego. Oh, so good. I'm glad you brought it up because it just, it warmed my, it warmed my heart. <laughs> San Diego is like a home game for the Broncos. It was so good, you know. It's just because it was it was a compliment to us as fans, which I think is great, and a shot at San Diego or Chargers fans in general because now they're not in San Diego, which is also great. I mean, they can't fill a soccer stadium, so well they can, but they can't fill it with people. It's just they fill it with people, but it's usually the people of the opposing team. <laughs> they're usually wearing orange and blue. That's that's just the way it is. Or Raiders black even. I mean, not to not to give the Raiders any credit, but at least they do show up for those games because they'd rather be in San Diego. And then the other, obviously, the the time or the moment that Broncos fans were very interested in was the presentation of Steve Antonopoulos. And I actually thought it was going to be a speech, but yeah, it was too. just. It was just a video, but even the video was chill-inducing and obviously brought tears. Um, it just—it was a very powerful moment to to hear from from Greek, who worked and knew Mr. B for over forty years, but then to also hear from the kids, and it, especially Beth, who is the the oldest of the daughters who who spoke, to be able to to hear it from her about how tough it was to lose those three Super Bowls and then to finally prevail in Super Bowl 32. But to hear from all the kids on, on how much it meant to him to be the owner of the Denver Broncos and how badly he wanted to be the best. 
it, it just it, it was a very it was a I thought it was the the best introductory video of of all of them, and it, it just like I said it it, it brought. It brought it brought chills. It brought tears. It was an emotional tribute. If you if you want to watch it, it's on the Pro Football Hall of Fame website. I would definitely recommend it. If you haven't, uh, if you want to, I, I uh, quote tweeted the video, so you can go to my Twitter feed at Ian St. Clair and and find it and watch it. I would I would definitely recommend it if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, and I think the other thing that that sort of that we'd be remiss to men to, to not mention is is sort of what you touched on this idea that he was incredibly proud and uh, wanted to be a great owner wanted to be a great owner for the Denver Broncos and for the community I think that was one of the things that there's a I feel like there's a difference and maybe I, I'm missing something I live in uh, the Chicagoland area and I, I feel like the you know the McCaskies are the owners of the Bears and and the the, the, the fans of the Chicago Bears don't love their ownership group or don't love the owners as much as Denver Broncos fans do. I, I, I think it's hard to find a fan base that appreciates the ownership in the same way. A lot of times you get fan bases that don't like their owners because the, the you know, it is billionaires versus, you know, sort of everybody else. And you kind of get into that. And I never really looked at Pat Bolin as uh, this billionaire, uh, you know, Un, unreachable person. He's, he was someone who wanted to be a part of the franchise that he owned. Whereas I think with a lot of franchises, the owners are guys who just sit in a box and, 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 you know, they spend, they spend the money, but they really don't do anything else. Uh, or they're Jerry Jones and they spend the money and then they meddle in everything and they ruin everything. But because their name is always out there, they get accolades that they don't really deserve. Uh, you know, it's kind of an interesting uh, dichotomy. So I, I, I think that as fans, you kind of we're lucky as as fans of the Denver Broncos because we felt that connection with the team, but also the owner was a part of that. And I think most fans don't feel that with the owner. So this was one of those moments where the the very top part of, or the top of this franchise was being honored for the greatness that he brought in and he wanted to be great and it wasn't just a game for him it wasn't just a, a play thing right being an owner of an NFL franchise for Pat Bolin wasn't the thing that he did on the side it was the thing that he loved the most and that's what made him so great Whereas I think a lot of owners, because they have so much money, and you see this a lot in other sports as well, well, I own a franchise, but I don't care about it because I just have the money and I needed something to do. And so, you know, I'm going to spend money on this and it'll be fun. No, this was this was serious business for Pat Bolin, and this is what made him a great owner. The thing that really stands out to me about all of this is that if he were still alive and he were able to give his speech, I have no doubt in my mind the focus would have been on the players who should have been there and aren't there. And I just, I, I thought about that throughout all the speeches. I was hoping that Ed Reed would give a shout out to Steve Atwater. I, I, I was hoping that that would happen because he did it on his video right before the announcement was coming. And I thought that was incredibly powerful. So I was hoping that he would do it again in his speech. And I, as much as I don't like the Baltimore Ravens, how do you not like Ed Reed? He is just so cool. That's pretty good. That's true. And then uh, Champ Bailey, I, I was hoping would do the same, but 
Yeah, they're I, you know it's tough because this is their moment and exactly you know that you want to let them have their moment and I I get what you're saying and I think that it's an interesting point because you do have uh, moments in Hall of Fame history where guys you know Kenny Easley was a guy who mentioned mentioned Steve Atwater and some of the others and uh, I remember when Lynn you know the video I've seen video of Lynn Swan talking about. Um, Oh shoot! Now my my brain has stopped working. Uh, the other receiver, Lynn Swan and uh, J- uh, uh, John Stallworth. John Stallworth. Gosh darn! I kept wanting to say Dante Stallworth, and I'm like, I know it ain't. I know it ain't Dante Stallworth. He ain't a Hall of Fame. But <laughs> but the, this idea that you use your time to to try and remind um, the voters and the fans of people who came before you or who were contemporaries of yours who you believe also should be in. Uh, I don't take anything away from guys who want to use their time to honor themselves and their careers and thank people who were important to them, but it would have been nice. I think you're right. I, I do think that, uh, you know, Champ mentioned uh, a few times uh, leading up to the induction ceremony some some great Broncos who probably deserve to be in, and we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. And I think you see that from guys but this was their moment, right? You kind of want to let them have their moment. So I, I don't, you know, I don't begrudge them any of that. But you're right. It would have been nice if, if Champ or Ed would have said something about Steve Atwater or, uh, you know, a Randy Gratish or Louis Wright and things like that. So um, you make a good point. But at the same time, I think you and I are both in agreement here. It's their time and we want them to have, you know, use your time as, as you see fit. Absolutely. I, I think that's the whole point of the night. It's about them. I did. My hope obviously doesn't weigh into it at right. all. So they didn't call I, you and ask. You didn't get a phone call. <laughs> well, actually, Champ texted. I was going to say I got a text. I texted he te- Champ. He texted me back. It was great. Um, but no, I, I don't begrudge any of them. It just it, it, it would have been nice, but I, you can't hold it against them. Obviously, I mean, it, they're one of less than 350 people now to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame in the 100th season. I mean that. That's just remarkable to consider when you think about all the guys who have ever played in the National Football League, and there's less than 350 in the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. And it seems like almost half of them are Kansas City Chiefs. Or Vikings. <laughs> guys that, guys that you know, never won anything, but they certainly deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Anyway... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, it's, that does sort of bring us to an interesting point or an interesting topic here. Uh, I feel like as Broncos fans, we've we've had this conversation many times. John Elway is the first uh, Denver Bronco to go into the Hall of Fame, and the thought was, well, now that John Elway's in, that'll open the doors, and all these other guys will get in. And then nothing really happened. Uh, and then Shannon Sharp uh, and Gary Zimmerman get in, and you kind of get the trickle, right? Floyd Little gets in. And, and I, I actually thought that Floyd Little was going to be the one that actually did it because right. Dave Logan, when I, I've mentioned this before, I when I was at the Wyoming Tribune Eagle in Cheyenne, Wyoming, I interviewed Dave Logan and I asked Dave, now that Floyd gets in, is there hope that now the guys 
who are around the same era, maybe a little bit after him, get in now. And he's like, I sure hope so, and I think it will. Nothing. Right, exactly. I mean, that's one of the things I do remember, and that was one of those big talking points as well. When Floyd Little went in, a lot of people in Broncos country and even in, in the media in general sort of talked about this being the moment that the, the door would open for more Broncos players, and the door remained shut for the most part. You, ha- you have to be to, – to be in the Hall of Fame as a Denver Bronco for whatever reason, you have to be – not just great, but you have to be the best of the best of the best of the best. And, and I, you know, you look need look no further than Champ Bailey, who is considered perhaps the greatest cornerback of all time, if not the greatest one of the top, you know, three, maybe three to five guys. You can put him on that list. And to me, that's that's crazy that if you're a Denver Bronco, you have to be that great. But if if Champ had played for the Chiefs or if if <laughs> if. If Delta O'Neal had played for the Kansas City Chiefs, I think he'd be in the Hall of Fame. Like, that's how bad I think it is. I mean, how many Arizona Cardinals are in the Hall of Fame? Arizona slash St. Louis slash wherever else they played. How many Cardinals are in the Hall of Fame? How many playoff games has that franchise won? Not very many, but they've got more Hall of Famers, perhaps, than the Denver Broncos. Maybe I'm a little off on that, but you get what I'm saying? So... I think this might be the moment. I and sure, let's go positive on this. But if it is the moment, the the question becomes who's next, right? Who's the next player or who are the next players for the Denver Broncos who could follow Champ and, and Mr. B into the Hall of Fame? And th- there's a lot of names. There's the obvious ones, right? Randy Gratishar, long overdue, maybe one of the greatest defensive players in the history of the franchise, uh, the leader of the Orange Crush defense, and, and he obviously should get into the Hall of Fame. Louis Wright, sort of the same. I, I I could say the same thing there. One of the greatest defensive players in the history. How is it that Champ Bailey is the first defensive player for the Denver Broncos to go into the Hall of Fame? Somebody tell me how that happened. But I digress. Louis Wright is is on that list absolutely and for sure. Carl Mecklenburg, absolutely. These are seniors, guys. And then and then Steve Atwater, right? Those are sort of your four obvious defensive players. That's what I'm going to give you right now. Those guys should all be in the Hall of Fame. Without question, maybe this opens the door for them with the first defensive player from the Denver Broncos to finally go into the Hall of Fame. And I think it could actually happen in 2020 because it's now official that the 2020 Hall of Fame class will be 20 members. So as we talked about on a previous podcast, it will be the the five... Five regular... Five regular, (laughs) 10 senior committee... And then five three contributors, three contributors and, two, and two, coaches. two coaches. Does Mike Shanahan get in? I don't think with those two coaches. No? I, okay. I think I, I think the two obvious coaches, two right off the bat, Don Coriel and Tom Flores, I think those are two of the three coaches. Um, I think the contributors, I, 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 I probably Paul Tagliabue. Sure. Um. But in terms of the senior committee, one of the 10 has to be Randy Gratishar. And it seems like that is where it's heading. It, it seems like that's where the tide is pulling. And then I also think Steve Atwater, because I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think he was in the second to last vote to go in with Ed Reed. I think in 2020, he'll go in with Troy Polamalu. So I think Steve, At- there's definitely... It's trending in that direction. Yeah. 
for Steve Atwater. So I think there could be two Broncos in 2020. And Broncos country knows full well not to hold your breath because there's always the <laughs> expectation that it will be three or four Chiefs and three or four Vikings. But I definitely think that there could be two members in the 2020 class. 2021, Peyton Manning is a no-brainer. And he is a Denver Bronco first. But there's one name that I think now has to be thrown into the mix because of Kevin Mawai's induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And that's a center who was just as good, if not better than Kevin Mawai, Tom Nalen. It's a, it's a it's a great comparison, and it's a great name. Uh, maybe one of the greatest offensive lines in the history of the NFL, those offensive lines that won back-to-back Super Bowls, that had a 2,000-yard rusher behind them in Terrell Davis, who is a Hall of Famer, uh, who have a Hall of Famer on that offensive line in Gary Zimmerman. Uh, Tom Nealon is is the anchor, right? The center is the anchor of the, of the offensive line. Uh, the left tackle is the guy who protects the quarterback, but the center is the anchor. And Tom Nalen was a great center in the NFL. I, I would argue he's better than Kevin Mawai, but he didn't play in New York. So, you know, he doesn't get to go in first. I, I suppose that's the problem. Here's the thing that is so comparable to Kevin Mawai. If you look at the success that Kevin Mawai had, I think it was over his 16-year career, he blocked for 14 1,000-yard rushers. That's a pretty that's a, that's a pretty good statistic. Pretty good statistic. In his 14 seasons with the Denver Broncos, Tom Nalen blocked for 11 1,000-yard rushers. Pretty comparable. And what's the one thing that was always held against Terrell Davis for why it took so long for him to get into the Hall of Fame? And it's still used against him. Absolutely. It's because he was running behind a great offensive line. And and there was running backs after him that continued to have success. So it wasn't really about Terrell Davis. Well, if you're going to say that and hold it against Terrell Davis, you better damn well use it to support Tom Nalen. Because if it's not, you're an asshole and you're completely full of you-know-what. Beep, beep, beep. (laughs) No, you're absolutely – that's actually maybe the – yeah. POS. Yeah. If that's if you're gonna hold it against Terrell Davis, but not to support Tom Nalen, you're two faced. No, it's a that's a perfect point to make. And I think that you are you you've hit that spot on. For years and years it was, well, Terrell Davis isn't a Hall of Famer because and then the offensive line was always credited with with being so great. And so now that Terrell Davis is in are you saying that the offensive line wasn't really that good? I, I, I'm not really sure where you go with that. I think you've made a very good point there. I also think that that offensive line, again, and I, I just said it, is maybe one of the greatest offensive lines in the history of the NFL. And is it's the, the proof is in the pudding, if you will, to use a fun cliche, because I like pudding. A 2,000-yard rusher in Terrell Davis back-to-back Super Bowl championships, multiple thousand-yard rushers that that weren't Terrell Davis, who is one of the greatest running backs and had one of the greatest runs as a running back in the history of the NFL. I mean, what, Mike Anderson, Olandis Gary, who else, who, who else should we name? I mean, they so many guys who, who were able to accomplish more than they probably could have because they were running behind that offensive line. And again, Tom Nalen was the anchor of that offensive line because he was the center. So you've made a very good point. Um, Maybe someone should call Jeff Legwald. 
And then you look at the Pro Bowls, you look at the All-Pros, he was a five-time Pro Bowl selection, and unlike Kevin Mawai, he won two Super Bowls. I thought that was the big thing for, for Hall of Fame voters sure. is you had to win Super Bowls. That's why there's so many goddamn Kansas City Chiefs from the 1960s in the Hall of Fame. That one Super Bowl team produced like 10 Hall of Famers. Well, yeah, it's stupid. I was going to try and say something funny, but it's not funny. It's just stupid. So we'll just leave it at that. But you, you've, you know, you've, you've got to remember that the Denver Broncos are, for whatever reason, and I'd love to know what it is. They're fighting an uphill battle when it comes to Hall of Famers, and it's, you could talk about East Coast bias. You could talk about the coast, you know, media on the coast. You could talk about uh, old school football fans, and that sort of this idea that Kansas City is an old school football franchise, and and Denver is not an old school football franchise. I guess I'm not really sure. Where that are both in the AFL though? Yeah, I mean it's it's very confusing. I, but Kansas City was around longer, and they had a team. They were in Texas first. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just making stuff but, up but, at this point. We're at, at at this point. If they if that's the argument, they were around longer. They've only been in Kansas City since 1963. Oh, the Broncos right. have been in Denver since 1960. That's three years longer. Boom, we win. They should just take take guys out at this point. And the Broncos have won the trophy named after the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs. At, I, at what point do they change it to the Pat Bowlen trophy? I mean, is that, is that a possibility? I like your argument of keeping it that way so the Chiefs have never won it. Yeah, I, I really don't think we should change it, but that's just because I love the troll. So uh, that's There's, always there's one other name that we talked about before coming on, before we started recording. And it's one that Andrew Mason has been pounding the table for for years with us. Okay. And it's it's the former head coach of the Denver Broncos who has he, – he led a team to four Super Bowls. Two different teams. Two different teams. I believe he's the only head coach to do that. Right. He's He also led a team to, the, to three Super Bowls in four years. I believe you're talking about Dan Reeves. I am talking about Dan Reeves, and I, I still I still get it that there's a lot of Broncos country from the 80s, fans from that time in the early 90s. It's like a curse word. They oh, yeah. blame him for, for John Elway not winning a Super Bowl, but wow. he was also the head coach of those teams that went to three Super Bowls in four years. Even if you don't like how it may have unfolded and they didn't win it or they didn't run a system that – was beneficial to John Elway, you but know, he's still a Hall of Fame coach. He, he should be in the Hall of Fame. I do know that I, even I have at times said, well, that's some that, that offense looks like some Dan Reeves BS. I've said that many times. But at the end of the day, that's just a, a fun joke that you get to tell. The, the truth of the matter is Dan Reeves was a great head coach. Dan Reeves was, had to manage uh, egos. He had to... Um, you know, sort of be in charge of a franchise that, that maybe didn't have the greatest players. And he did what he thought was best. And it worked for the most part. And if you think about it, really only one of those Super Bowls was a Super Bowl they should have won. And that was the Super Bowl against the Giants uh, in 1986. Aside from that, there was no way they were going to beat San Francisco. And <laughs> I don't even want to talk about the 55-10 to 10 game. And there was no way that they were that the Atlanta Falcons were going to beat the Denver Broncos in Super Bowl 33. So he was really up against it as a head coach. He was able to get teams that probably shouldn't have been to the Super Bowl into the Super Bowl, and he did it four times. 
You got to give him some credit. Yes, he had John Elway. Yes, he had pretty good defenses. But are you gonna you gonna fault the guy for the the you know if somebody brings me a, a bunch of Kobe beef and I make some great steaks? You gonna say I wasn't a great cook because I had great steaks to cook with? I still had to cook the steaks. So you know, I guess is that a, an old Bill Parcells mantra? You know, if I'm gonna be the chef, I should be able to shop for the groceries. <laughs> when you look at the other coaches who have coached in four Super Bowls, they're both in the Hall of Fame. Marv Levy and Bud Grant. Neither of them won a Super Bowl. So why doesn't Dan Reeves get the same recognition? And if you look at those Bills teams that went to four straight Super Bowls, they had way, way more talent on them than Dan Reeves' Broncos teams in the 80s. That's a really good point. They had Hall of Fame quarterback in uh, Jim Kelly. They had a Hall of Fame uh running back in Thurman Thomas. Am I right about that? He's in the Hall of Fame, isn't he? Yes, he's in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Hall of Fame receiver in Andre Reid. Yeah. Hall of Fame defensive end in Bruce Smith. Yeah. I mean, the the list, right? It's a big list of, of great players. And what Hall of Famers did Dan Reeves have? John Elway. John Elway. So, uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting way to look at that. Dan Reeves had fewer Hall of Famers. And maybe, I mean, he had the greatest quarterback of all time, but that's it. That's, that's the list. So you're, you're bringing up a good point there. I, I like that comparison. And then the other guy that you talked about, Bud Grant, he had a lot of hall of famers too, because he, you know, it was Minnesota. And it was the purple people leaders. Yeah. So, I mean, those defenses didn't win a super bowl, but look at all the hall of famers they have. And there is yet not one member of the orange crush in the pro football hall of fame. Uh, you know, it's funny because we're, we're, we're really supposed to be celebrating, but it's I think it's impossible for Broncos fans, anybody in Broncos country, it's impossible for us to talk about the Hall of Fame in glowing terms because there still is such a slight that that we feel from the from the Pro Football Hall of Fame that that players who were the greatest players in the history of the franchise, one of the greatest franchises in the history of the NFL can't get representation in in the pro football hall of fame it it boggles the mind it drives us crazy but i think that what we should end on here and it's probably a a good point to end on is that this really is an exciting time for fans because i do think pat bolin champ bailey you know two broncos in in one induction ceremony the expanded class in 2020 Numbers are sort of trending in Denver Broncos directions. I think Steve Atwater has momentum. I think that Randy Gratishar will be one of those names that gets in on the senior committee vote for 2020. And from there, I think that once you get one guy in from that Orange Crush defense, people will start to remember how great that actually was. And you'll start to see more players get pulled into that. And perhaps if it's successful having a larger senior committee class, they might do it more often than just 2020. You might see it again in five years or 10 years, uh, and you'll start to see more players get in. And I think going forward, that expanded list of 10 seniors starts to open the door for players who may have not had the chance to get in at all. It now opens the door for them, meaning Louis Wright and Carl Mecklenburg. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.